giant. What says the doctor to my water? He said, sir, the water itself was a good, healthy water, but for the party that owed it, he might have more diseases than he knew for. Hmm. Men of all sorts take a pride to gird me. The brain of this foolish compounded clay man is not able to invent anything that intends to laughter more than I invent or is invented on me. I am not only witty in myself, but the cause that wit is in other men. I do here walk before thee like a sow that has overwhelmed all her litter but one. <laughs> if the prince put thee into my service for any other reason than to set me off, why then I have no judgment. Thou whoresome mandrake, thou art fitter to be worn in my cap than to wait at my heels. I was never manned with an agate till now but I will inset you neither in gold nor silver, but in vile apparel, and send you back again to your master for a jewel, the juvenile prince, your master, <laughs> whose chin is not yet fledged. I will sooner have a beard grow in the palm of my hand than he shall have one off his cheek, and yet he will not stick to say his face is a face royal. God may finish it when he will. Tis not a hair amiss yet. <laughs> he may keep it still as a face royal, for a barber shall never earn sixpence out of it. And yet, he'll be crowing as if he had written man ever since his father was a bachelor. He may keep his own grace, but he's almost out of mine, I can assure him. <laughs> What said Master Domelton about the satin for my short cloak and my slot? He said, sir, you should procure him better assurance than Bardolph. He would not take his bond and yours. He liked not the security. Let him be damned like a glutton. Pray God his tongue be hard. A horse and acetopal rascal. Yea, what you name? To bear a gentleman in hand and then stand upon security. <laughs> the horse and smoothie pate do now wear nothing but high shoes, bunches of keys at their girdles. And if a man is through with them and honest taking up, then they must stand upon security. I had as lief they put raspbane in my mouth as offer to stop it with security. I looked, I should have sent me two and twenty yards of satin, as I am a true knight, and he sends me security. Well, he may sleep in security, for he hath the horn of abundance. The lightness of his wife shines through it, and yet cannot he see, though he have his own lantern to light him. Where's Bardolph? He's gone in Smithfield to buy your worship a horse. I bought him in Paul. He'll buy me a horse in Smithfield. And I could get me but a wife in the stool. I were manned, horse, and wived. <laughs> Sir, here comes the nobleman that committed the prince for striking him about Bardolph. Oh, wait close. No, I will not see him. 
What's he that goes there? Falstaff, and it pleased your lordship. He that was in question for the robbery? He, my lord, but he hath since done good service at Shrewsbury, and, as I hear, is now going with some charge to the Lord John of Lancaster. What? To York? Call him back again. Sir John Falstaff. Boy, tell him I am deaf. You must speak louder. My master is deaf. I am sure he is to the hearing of anything good. Go pluck him by the elbow. I must speak with him. Sir John. What? A young knave in begging? Is there not wars? Is there not employment? Does not the king lack subjects? Do not the rebels need soldiers? Though it be a shame to be on any side but one, it is worse shame to beg than to be on the worst side. Were it worse than the name of rebellion can tell you how to make it. You mistake me, sir. Why, sir? Did I say you were an honest man? <laughs> Setting my knighthood and my soldiership aside, I had lied in my throat if I had said so. I pray you, sir, then set your knighthood and your soldiership aside, and give me leave to tell you, you lie in your throat if you say I am any other than an honest man. I give thee leave to tell me so. I lay aside that which grows to me. If thou gettest any leave of me, hang me. If thou takest me, thou had better be hanged, you hunt counter. Hence, avant. Sir, my lord would speak with you. Sir John Falstaff. Good lord, God give your lordship good time of day. I am glad to see your lordship abroad. I heard say your lordship was sick. I hope your lordship goes abroad by advice. Oh, your lordship, though not clean past your youth, have you some smack of ague in you? Some relish? of the saltness of time in you. I most humbly beseech your lordship to have a reverent care of your health. Sir John, I sent for you before your expedition to Shrewsbury. Oh, yet it please your lordship. I hear his majesty has returned with some discomfort from Wales. I talk not of his majesty. You would not come when I sent for you. And I hear, moreover, his highness has fallen into this same horse and apoplexy. Well, God mend him. I pray you, let me speak with you. This apoplexy, as I take it, is a kind of lethargy. And it please your lordship, a kind of sleepy in the blood, a horse and tingling. What tell you me of it, be it as it is? It hath its original from much grief, from study and perturbation of the brain. I have read the cause of his effects in Galen. It is a kind of death. I think you are fallen into the disease, for you hear not what I say to you. Oh, very well, my lord, very well. Rather than it please you, it is the disease of not listening, and the malady of not marking that I am troubled with all. 
To punish you by the heels would amend the attention of your ears, and I care not if I do become your physician. I am as poor as Job, my lord, but not so patient. Your lordship may minister the potion of imprisonment to me in respect to poverty, but how I should be your patient to follow your prescriptions. The wise may make some dram of a scruple, or indeed, a scruple itself. I sent for you when there were matters against you for your life to come speak with me. Yes, I was then advised by my learned counsel in the laws of this land service. I did not come. Well, the truth is, Sir John, you live in great infamy. Oh, he that buckles himself in my belt cannot live in less. Your means are very slender, and your waste is great. I wouldn't were otherwise. I would my means were greater, and my waste slender. You have misled the youthful prince. The young prince hath misled me. I am the fellow with the great belly, and he my dog. Well, I am loath to gall a new-healed wound. Your day's service at Shrewsbury hath a little gilded over your night's exploit on Gad's Hill. You may thank the unquiet time for your quiet or posting that action. Oh, my lord. But since all is well, keep it so. Wake not a sleeping wolf. To wake a wolf is as bad as smell a fox. What? You are as a candle, the better part burnt out. Oh, a hell candle, my lord, all talent. If I did say wax, my growth would approve the truth. There is not a white hair in your face, but should have his effect of gravity. Oh, his effect of gravy. Oh, gravy. Oh, gravy. You follow the young prince up and down like his ill angel. Not so, my lord. Your ill angel is light. But I hope he that looks upon me will take me without weighing. And yet, in some respects, I grant I cannot go. I cannot tell. Virtue is of so little regard in these costumonger times that true valor is turned bared. Pregnancy is made a tapster, and his quick wit wasted in giving reckonings. All the other gifts are pertinent to man, as the malice of his age shapes them, are not worth a gooseberry. You that are old consider not the capacities of us that are young. You do measure the heat of our livers with the bitterness of your galls, and we that are in the vanguard of our youth, I must confess, our wags too. Do you set down your name in the scroll of youth that are written down old with all the characters of age? Have you not a moist eye, a dry hand, a yellow cheek, a white beard, a decreasing leg, an increasing belly? Is not your voice broken? your wind short, your chin double, your wit single, and every part about you blasted with antiquity. And will you yet call yourself young? Fie, 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 Sir John. My lord, 
I was born about three over the clock in the afternoon with a white head and something around belly. For my voice, I have lost it with hallooing and singing of anthems. To approve my youth further, I will not. The truth is, I am only old in judgment and understanding. And he that will caper with me for a thousand marks, let him lend me the money and have at it. <laughs> For the box of the ears that the prince gave you, he gave it like a rude prince. And you took it like a sensible lord. I had checked him for it, and the young lion repented. Mary is not in ashes and sackcloth, but a new silk and old sack. Well, God send the prince a better companion. God send the companion a better prince. I cannot rid my hands of him. Well, the king hath severed you. I hear you are going with Lord John of Lancaster against the Archbishop and the Earl of Northumberland. Yea, I think you're pretty sweet wit for it. But look you, pray, all you that kiss my lady peace at home, that our armies join not in a hot day. For, by the Lord, I take but two shirts out with me, I mean not to sweat extraordinarily. If it be a hot day and I brandish anything but a bottle, I would I might never spit white again. There is not a dangerous action can peep out his head, but I am thrust upon it. Well, I cannot last ever. But it was always yet the trick of our English nation, if they have a good thing to make it too common. If ye will need say I am an old man, you should give me rest. I would to God my name were not so terrible to the enemy as it is. I were better to be eaten to death with a rust than to be scoured to nothing with perpetual motion. Well, be honest, be honest, and God bless your expedition. Will your lordship lend me a thousand pounds to furnish me for? Not a penny, not a penny. You are too impatient to bear crosses. Fare you well. Commend me to my cousin Westmoreland. If I do, fillip me with a three-man beetle. A man can no more separate age and covetousness than I can part young limbs and lechery. But the gout goes the one, and the pox pinches the other. And so, both the degrees prevent my curses. Boy? Sir? What money is in my purse? Seven groats and two pence. I can get no remedy against this consumption of the purse. Borrowing only lingers and lingers it out, but the disease is incurable. Go, bear this letter to my Lord of Lancaster, this to the Prince, this to the Earl of Westmoreland, and this old Mistress Ursula, <laughs> whom I have weakly sworn to marry since I perceived the first white hair on my chin. About it, you know where to find me. Oh, pox of this gout, oh, gout of this pox. For the one or the other plays the rogue with my great toe. It is no matter if I do halt. 
I have a rose for my collar, and my pension shall seem the more reasonable. A good wit will make use of anything. I will turn diseases to commodities. 